Hello, I'll be back in. And you guys hear that buzz too? I do hear a little bit of a buzz, so if you, and if you could just uh, mute your microphone. Sorry about that. I think we lost the first bit of this recording because computers are just annoying. But uh, nonetheless, we're recording now, so let's, uh, let's continue. So there's one possibility, which is that you asked for the truth, uh, and, and then you did not speak the truth, right, in order to, to reaffirm your father's uh, control over you. The other thing, uh, the other possibility, of course, is that you, you asked for the truth because you are, in fact, ready for the conversation, right? Okay. And neither one of these are right or wrong. It's just sort of where, where you are, right? But it's, it is important. If, if, if you're going to talk to your dad about your relationship with your dad, you want to do it directly. You don't want to do it through the proxies of political conversations, right? Sure. Although I, it certainly must be said that as far as proxy conversations go, that one was pretty good, right? Because you got to, um, to really probe his level of comfort with principled argument. Right. So tell me a little bit more about the uh, anxiety that you feel uh, when we talk about this, this area. Uh, I don't know. It's just when you started to get into the, the one of two situations and you know, asking me why I haven't talked with him about our relationship yet or um, just just started coming over like in my kind of in my gut, just um, like like butterflies. Right, so it was sort of a, a, an anxiety laced with fear? Probably. Well, uh, only you can tell. Now, was it, was uh, it because it certainly, I'm, I just want to double check. Like, it, you don't, I mean, do you think or did you feel that it had anything to do with me that I was like honoring you or criticizing you or, or putting you down or anything like that? That doesn't seem, seem quite right, no. Oh, I'll have to try harder then. Um, <laughs> right, so, so it, it had something to do with the fact that there's this cliff edge in your life called the conversation with your father about the past abuse, right? Uh-huh. And instead of playing around the edges of it, and we started talking about this because you were feeling um, sad or, 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 or uh, depressed around your father, uh, very, very sort of sad, sort of quasi-sympathetic, right? So, uh -huh. uh, so when we um, when we get to this uh, area where you have the conversation with your father about the historical abuse, and of course, ideally, it should be with both your parents, but that is um, uh, is uh, where things are uh, very uh, unpleasant, right? For you, very difficult, very challenging. That is the dizzying lean over the cliff edge, right? Right. And I can tell you why you're not doing it, if you like. I would love to hear that, yeah. Well, who is going to gain and who is going to lose from that conversation? In what, in what terms? Gain, gain and lose what? Who is going to um, gain happiness? or um, uh, validation, uh, or, or some form of honor, who's going to come off better 
and who's going to come off worse in that conversation? Oh, I would come off better. Well, for sure, because you're the victim, right? Sure. So, clearly, it's not fear of physical attack that is going to keep you from this conversation, right? You sound like a husky fella, so uh, I'm sure that it's not fear of physical attack. Plus, you can get the uh, Free Domain Radio approved parental taser available for only $69.99 from the website. So, there is uh, not going to be the same fears that you would have if you tried to do this at the age of 8 or 10 or something, right? Okay. Yeah, you're right about saying that. Okay, so, we are, as you know, uh, in these families, in these situations, we are raised as slaves to our parents, right? We are there to please our parents. We are there to obey their wishes, to make them feel better, to comfort them when they're down, to be their punching bag when they're angry. We are simply there uh, as water poured into a glass to conform to our parents' needs, not to have needs of our own, right? Yeah, yeah. So, who doesn't want you to have this conversation? They don't want me to have this conversation. Why, that's entirely true. That is entirely true. If you are given $100 as payment and it turns out to be counterfeit, who doesn't want you to bring the $100 back? The counterfeiter. Right. You gain by bringing the $100 back because the counterfeiter has to cough up something real. And the counterfeiter doesn't want you to come back and have that conversation, right? He wants you to come back and take another $100 of worthless money as payment. Sure. It's they who don't want you to bring this up, not you. Not you. The truth doesn't destroy you. The truth doesn't attack you because you're the victim as a child, right? The truth condemns them. Right. So when you get a hold of the truth, your father changes his tactics. In what way? Uh, well, it's as you described uh, earlier on, right? That you see him fiddling with some cables, you see him watching a television show, and when he had power and control over you, he was a bully, right? Yeah. And now, as you begin to awaken to moral understanding, who has the power? I do. I'm not sure. Are you asking or saying? That was a perfect combination <laughs> of a statement and a question at the same time. I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm... <laughs> I guess that kind of sums it up. Hello? Uh, yeah, I, um, I, I have more, a lot more power and authority than I, than I used to. Well, it's reversed. It's not just like you've gone up 50% and he's gone down 25%. It's completely reversed, right? Where he had the ultimate moral authority when you were younger, and whatever he said went, and you were bad if he said so, and he was great just for being who he was. That is completely reversed, right? Right. Right. Because now I've got that 
the power of that conversation. Yeah, you have the truth. Right. You have the truth, which does not make him look very good, right? So you have power over him now. So he's not bullying you anymore, is he? <laughs> well, um, yeah, he's not. He's not physically abusing me. No, I, what I, I mean is, go so uh, far as not, saying he's not. Sorry to interrupt. Me. He's not coming on as strong as he used to. And certainly, you've said that over the next, over the last two weeks, you've felt some sort of pity and sadness for him, right? Oh, I felt that, yeah. Right, so he's yeah. gone from bully to what? Hmm. What's the flip side of bully? Flip side of bully, uh... Well, flip side in terms of, like, we manipula manipulation or in terms of, like, the bullied uh, victim? There's, there's bullies and there's victims, right? Right. Right, so... When he has the power, he's the bully, and you're the victim, right? And when you have the yeah. power, you're the bully, and he's the victim. Okay. I, but I don't you don't like have the constitution to be cruel towards somebody who's helpless, because you have the little magical thing we call empathy, right? But you have to be careful, because empathy renders us susceptible to manipulation. Okay. So before... He was able to control you, and now the power has passed to you. So how is he going to provide value to you now? Because before, he didn't have to provide value. He was just the dad, and you were the son, and you just did stuff, right? Um, okay. So is he providing value by withholding a feeling of guilt or... Or something like that, is that... Well, sure. I mean, it's something that I sort or... of termed negative economics. Yeah. Right? So it's like, instead of me going to my mom's house because I want to see her, I go to my mom's house because if I don't, I feel guilty or bad. Okay. So now that you have knowledge and understanding and wisdom, how is he going to provide value to you? He can't do it by bullying. Because he knows you're onto it because of your non-aggression principle, right? Yeah. So how is he going to provide value to you given that he's not a good man? Through sentimentality? Well, through negative through... economics. Right. So you're now going to feel sorry for him, and that's why you're going to give him resources. Before, he could just take stuff, right? You just had to obey. Now that you don't have to obey, parents always do this. They switch to being pathetic and sad. And that's how they control you then when they don't have power over you. They switch from bullying to negative economics. Okay. Makes sense. Man, there's... Everybody's a genius, and everybody's a philosopher. We ignore that at our peril, right? Right, right. There's so much. I... There's so much other stuff. I, I, I better let, let other people talk. I just that I just like to, I don't know, talk with you or I, I guess my therapist about, but I, I feel, I don't know, at this point... 
um, I feel like I don't know about opening up the concept of defooing with my th- with my therapist at this point. I, I don't know if she knows that or or how she feels about that. Or I mean, there's so much that I, I would like to talk with her about, but it's like it it all ha- is around defooing. Right. Well, the, the way that, that you can explain this to your therapist that will help calm her fears is you say. I feel that my family is a kind of cult, but what I found is another internet cult that is so much better. <laughs> so I'd like, I'd like you to help me transition from my family cult to the cult of this crazy Canuck guy. <laughs> I have discovered absolute morality and perfect truth and occasionally will wander around okay. the parking lot of his old office building talking to his, his glove that is wrapped around <laughs> right. That if you could just help transition me into that new cult, that would be. I would pay for that. I would pay good money for that advice. Help get me a ticket to Crazy Land because I just want to. You know, it changes. It's a break, and I need a new cult. I need a new cult. You know what I mean? That will help. Okay. Okay. Uh, I have actually. I have actually talked about uh, Free Domain Radio a little bit, which is kind of fun. I must tell you, and I'm sorry, sorry and to interrupt you for just a second. Um, the people who are doing this stuff now, uh, right now, you guys are so lucky. You are so lucky because parents don't know about us that much yet. Right? But when this becomes, yeah. this, and this is spreading already very quickly, right? But, but as it continues to spread, at some point it's going to hit the radar of parents, right? And then somebody's going to start asking questions of their parents. And they're going to immediately roll their eyes and say, oh, this is just the free domain radio junk, isn't it? Yeah, we've heard about this. It was on John Stossel. <laughs> or something like that, right? So the fact, we, we have sure. camouflage, and the camouflage is nobody knows yet. We're stealth bombers. So we're, it's a lot easier for us, right, than it's going to be down the road, right, when we become a known cult and then can be criticized for that. So. <laughs> Get all the negative press and... Yeah, and then there'll be there'll be flares sent up, and everybody will see us coming, and this, that, and the other. So, now uh, I, I certainly don't mind spending another few minutes if you had another question. Uh, if other people have stuff, they can just type it into the chat window, yeah. uh, and then we can switch to them. So, um, just uh, uh, we'll just wait for a second. Uh, if you're if you're listening, if you can hear my voice, then uh, if you could um, uh, just just uh, say me talk, me want talk, or send up some smoke signals, release stuff, whatever. It is. Okay, so, so be there. I'm sorry. Oh, that, there was another voice in the background. I, I was just. Oh, you laughing. heard that too. I'm so glad. Yeah. Ah. yeah. <laughs> All was better with confirmation. <laughs> oh, I finished the first draft of uh, the uh, book on universal, universally preferable behavior. So, it's long relative to my last book, which is not saying a huge amount, but uh, it's uh, good. It'll be another couple of weeks till the second draft is finished. But I'm I'm uh, quite pleased with it. It's going to come with a table of contents. Shockingly enough. Because uh, it's not going to be just one of these uh, read on a long bus ride kind of books. So, well, it looks like we don't. Sorry, Excellent. it looks like we don't have any other monster uh, takers. So, if you'd like to continue, we can certainly wait for other people to catch up. Okay. But Sounds just to good. summarize, what we would like. So, it's 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 not your feeling that you don't want to have this. That's why I was um, I was loath to say coward, right? Because you haven't identified what is your feeling and what is your father's feeling. And your father has changed his strategy because he knows, he knows where you're going with this. And he knows 
that he's not going to be able to pretend to you for much longer that he's a good person. Right. So he has to switch to negative economics and start using guilt and sadness and manipulation. It's like once, once we figure out that the counterfeiter is giving us bad money, he just switches straight to being a thief. Okay. And the, the money in this metaphor is love, right? Well, value. Love comes from value. value. You can't give love. You can only give value, and then that evokes love, right? Yeah. Right. Now, um, yeah, if, if, okay, uh, if you, if you want to continue, I mean, I have some other stuff, I, I, uh, actually, I mean, well, I guess the most important thing was be, and I, I, I think, I think, you know, being able to talk about this sort of stuff with my therapist, and I, I know that y you kind of gave a tongue-in-cheek answer earlier, but is that is that basically uh, also the real answer? What, do you want to join a new <laughs> cult? Just... No, I would, I would not say that. I mean, uh, certainly you don't want to uh, not tell your therapist about an important conversation, right? But just say, you know, I was chatting with a guy I know. I'm pretty sure he was outside my head. Uh, so... Um, and and he was just sort of saying that, you know, uh, um, that my feelings of not wanting to have this conversation, right? I mean, you can, you can talk about it not in terms of defooing, right? But you can talk about it with your therapist in terms of, I want to have a conversation with my parents about family history, about the truth of my experience. So she'll certainly help uh, if she's competent, and I'm sure she is, and she'll certainly help you with that. So say not to okay. use not to use the term defooing because it's not a technical term. It's just something that Steph and I made up. <laughs> so I mean, okay. foo comes from a, I've explained this before. Foo is my acronym. Acronym? Yes. Short form. Whatever. My short form. When I was a student, uh, when we were doing uh, taking notes in class, family of origin kept coming up. Family of origin. Family of origin. Family of origin. Too long to write. So it became F O O in my notes. And so when Steph and I started having this conversation, we were talking about the family of origin, I just started referring to it as foo, and uh, it became foo for the whole FDR uh, society. And, and so it's not a common, <laughs> at least not that I am aware of, uh, term in, in psychology. Right, right. How, so, okay, so I should, I should present these things like I, I want to get to the... I want to get to the bottom of my history. I want to have conversations about my history with my parents. I want to be honest about my concerns about uh, my family with my family. I want to be honest about my concerns about my family with my yeah, family. Yeah, like no therapist, unless you're directly in physical danger, no therapist is going to say, that's a bad idea, or telling the truth your family. <laughs> okay, yeah, sure. That makes, that's, that makes a lot of sense. And, and uh, if... I mean, when we are talking about uh, breaking with my family, or when we're working through that, and um, I, I, I was, I'd kind of in my mind gone through and you know thought about how this this isn't uh, it's not something that's weird for you know wives that are beaten or anything like that. It's just 
you know, people don't do it generally with, you know, their parents, but it's the same situation, right? Well, sure. I mean, um, as, as we've talked about before, if a woman has been beaten by her husband for 20 years, right, and now he's old and sick and feeble and can't beat her anymore, there's very few therapists who'd say, who would say, you should stay with this man. Because the only thing that's changed is he's too weak to beat her now. It's not like he became, it's not like he magically became a better person, right? This is why by the time you hit puberty, if you're still being abused, your relationship with your family is never repairable. It's like if I'm, if I'm a serial womanizer and I keep sleeping around on my wife, and then, I don't know, I get hit by a truck and end up impotent, and then I say, you know what, honey, I'm giving up women. It's a little too late, right? Because I just can't have sex anymore. And so the fact is that since your parents did not wake up to their own abuse and change their approach to you until you became strong and they became relatively weaker, right? That this is why it's never going to work because you know deep down in your gut they just can't get away with it anymore. That's why they stopped, right? And that's the only reason that they stopped. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, well, yeah, because cause the other, a lot of the other stuff I was going to talk about with stuff I, I like to talk about with her, it's just, you know, it's like, it's hard to say, well, me and my brother were talking about, you know, the, the fact that I might be leaving the family, you know, it's like, that's, you know, kind of, kind of spells right. it out for you. You could you know? say that you have a very intimate relationship with a hand puppet named Candy Apples. That can help quite a bit as well, and that's who's been giving you this advice. <laughs> then bring the hand puppet right. to a couple of sessions and uh, have a tape of me. Just, just put the podcast exactly, in the hand exactly, and, and move my <laughs> candy apples is almost famous. What this okay. should do is help you defooing <laughs> by right. getting you institutionalized, which certainly will deal with the moving out issues, right? <laughs> so that's just another way of approaching. <laughs> you know, then, then I have to just work on the relationships, you know, in the, in the Absolutely. asylum. Absolutely. And, you know, the, the, you can learn a lot of self-hug, self-love with those self-huggy jackets. So that's good stuff. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, um... I, I, when I was having my conversation with my brother, I don't want to go on too much longer if if there's other people that want to talk, but um, we were – I mean I, I was feeling like I, I was explaining what was going on because he's like, Steve, you seem you know, really to yourself lately and uh, what's wrong and just trying to figure all that out. And I, I told him basically what I was feeling knowing full well that he wasn't going to um, – be able to empathize with me because it, it and he he basically came out and said this because I mean it it applies to him too and he doesn't empathize with himself so it, you know I, I knew full well that that was going to be the case but for some reason I, I I still wanted to be honest with him when he was you know expressing concern for me so I I don't know like I felt at the time like and I even said this to him just um. I don't know why I'm even telling you this because there's no way that you could possibly, um, like, there's no way that you could understand where I'm coming from. There's no way that he could understand where you're coming from because he lacks self-empathy. Well, 
Well, no, um, it's it's because it's a complex topic founded on a bunch of other, I mean, pr- founded on prior knowledge. I mean, it's seemingly it'd be like showing. Um, remember, you had a friend of Nate's, I think, who showed a, a like a podcast in the six hundreds to a friend of right, his. Right, right, right. It, it's it's like. Yeah, it's, it's you know a little advanced for sure. But, of course, the best way to teach empathy is to be empathetic with yourself. Right? The best, the best way to teach is, is to do, right? It's sort of the reversal, right? They say those that can't do teach. But in this conversation, it's quite the opposite, right? The best way to teach him empathy is not to show him empathy, right? Because the problem is he lacks empathy to himself, right? So if, if, uh, if I don't have 50 bucks and somebody says, lend me 50 bucks, there's not much I can do, right? Right, but if I see somebody earn fifty bucks, then I can go and earn fifty bucks by watching that. Right, so the way that you teach empathy is empathy to yourself, right? Which uh, which means to speak uh, to speak honestly in the sort of real time relationship that that's going on. Right, so uh, so so yeah, I mean, it sounds good. It sounds like you're verbalizing your your concerns and thoughts with him, but um, the um, I mean, because I believe that everybody's a genius and everybody's a philosopher. Um, he, he gets all of this stuff, right? He just he doesn't have the pipeline to it, right? Like he, uh, he's got a map of the subway and the subway is built and functioning. He just doesn't have a way of getting down into the subway, right? There's, just, there's no passage that he can find. But it's all running, right? He all gets it. He gets it all deep down, everything to do with your family in the same way that your father does. So the best way to give him uh, access to himself is to be relentlessly honest about what you're feeling and thinking in the moment that you're talking with him and that will teach him or show him how to do it. So so it was a good thing for me to tell him how I was feeling and, and why I was Absolutely. feeling Absolutely. The way. way that we solve dissociation is with passion. And, and passion doesn't mean sort of ranting. It just means a, a, a connection with yourself and your own emotions and a willingness to express them. Because what that will do is it will start to provoke anxiety in him. And anxiety is the, is the, uh, is the labor of the true self, right? It's the pain. Okay. Sure, and if, if, even if it doesn't, um, even if it's not uh, actionable in his own life, it's still a good thing for him to hear. Well, this I mean, is the thing, right? This is the thing that's going to be hardest for you, I think, to implement, which is that it doesn't matter what honesty does in the world. It doesn't matter whether or not people accept you for being honest or reject you or whether they can act on honesty or whether they can't act on honesty. Because the moment that you say my degree of self-expression and the honesty of my communication is dependent upon the effect it has on others, then you're giving other people control over your soul, right? Yep. That's like a... like a, uh, That's a little bit inflammatory. I was going to say, that's like a... Like voting for Ron Paul, you're letting other people affect your your philo- philosophical actions. In well, that yeah, that, too, that's right? a hope, right? And 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 that's a hope that has people break with their principles, right? But but you just you just stick with your principles, like they're gonna work, they're gonna get you through, right? You uh, you don't, right? Because fundamentally, this is right back to your dad, right? So the fact that the conversation that you're gonna have is gonna provoke anxiety in your father is not your business. It's not your business, right? You speak, you have the right to, in fact, you have the obligation, I would almost say, to speak the truth in any of the relationships that you have, 
to be honest. Because if you're not, then it's just a shell game, right? It's just a, it's a shadow puppet. It's nothing. It's a, it's a, it's a badly scripted play. Right, so you just you just honest with people, and you say what you think and feel. And if they like it, great. And if they don't like it, that's too bad. But you can't surrender your commitment to honesty and openness to other people's anxiety, because that's letting the bad people, in a sense, the disconnected people, the untruthful people, to end up running the lives of truthful people. All it does is it spreads dishonesty, evasion, and dissociation. Right? We want to be the virus that spreads the truth. And we can't be the virus that spreads the truth if we get infected by other people's anxiety. So, okay. Okay. Because that's, that's, that's my brother's issue and it's my father's issue that they feel anxiety because they, they should feel right. anxiety. Right. See, and, and I've been, I've been for, for reasons that it. I will get into quite shortly, I've been hammering and hammering and hammering this point over the last week to week and a half. Right? Which is that Fundamentally, it's not your father's anxiety that's, that you're managing, it's your own, right? The reason that you don't want to talk to your father is fundamentally not because your father will be anxious about it, but fundamentally because you will be anxious about it, right? But the whole problem, you are anxious about it, right? but the whole problem with your family is that everybody tries to manage their own emotions by manipulating everybody else, right? So if your father feels angry, he, right, just, if your say, father feels angry, he, that... just, get, he just yells at you. Or the guy who was on the phone the other day whose parents wanted him to clean up his, his old room or whatever, right? They just feel anxious, and so they just tell him, they just nag him, right? But, but our emotions are our own, and it's not other people's job in life to, to manage our own emotions. Or, you know, if I feel anxious, it's, it's not okay for me to lash out at Christina or whatever, right? It's not other people's job. It's my anxiety. It's what I have to manage. That is what a mature man and woman does with his or her emotions is to accept them and not to ask other people to manage them. Right? If I say I get totally anxious every time uh, Christina drives the blue car, it's my job to deal with my anxiety. It's not Christina's job to manage my anxiety by not driving the blue car. So you didn't like the fact that your father right. would take house his anger on you, attempt to manage his own anxiety and frustration by yelling at you. And similarly, it's equally unjust for you not to have this conversation because you'll feel anxious. Because that's just as, not talking is just as manipulative fundamentally as lashing out at someone. Withholding the truth from someone is just as manipulative as inflicting a lie. And on a deep level, I, uh, I'm, I'm aware of that. I, I, I dislike it just as much whenever I do that. Of course, right. And, and, and look, or, you're the victim, right? You're the victim, you were the kid, and so on, right? But there is that tipping point where we go from victim to victimizer. And the, the challenge, of course, I, is, is oh. to say, look, I have the truth here that I want to talk about, and you know that you want to talk about it, because otherwise you wouldn't have called me. You know that you want to talk about it with your dad. You know that you're desperate to talk about it with your dad. But in order to avoid the anxiety, you're avoiding the conversation. But that's unjust, and that's, that's repeating the family pattern. Sure. Because his dad, and I'm sure all the way to his... Yeah. Oh, man. So, so when you say we become, we move from victim to victimizer, I, I would be victimizing him 
by staying in the relationship. You will be victimizing him by staying in the relationship and not being honest. Right. Because I would be facilitating um, his, his own slow and steady demise, which is what I well, was that's probably partly experiencing. It, but that's partly it. But even more fundamentally, right, there's only... Right. There's, there's two reasons that you would be in the relationship and not tell him the truth. One, because leaving the relationship would cause you anxiety, right? So you're in the relationship because you want to not feel anxious. But you're not telling the truth in the relationship because telling the truth would also cause you anxiety. So the only reason you're spending time with this man is because you'll feel bad if you leave or if you tell the truth. And we don't hang around people to make ourselves feel better. That's exploitive. Okay. <laughs> and that's what you got to break with your dad. Otherwise, yeah. sure as sunrise, you're going to do it to your kids in one form or another, right? That's why I say get real sure. or get gone. But don't hang around because leaving is going to make you feel bad and telling the truth is going to make you feel bad. Right? That relationship is not there to serve your emotional needs and make you uh, hang around people just to escape anxiety of one form or another. You have to accept the anxiety and act on principle. Right? You don't get to bypass the principle because you just don't feel like... You can do that if you're home alone, whatever, right? Because it doesn't impact on other people, but you can't use other people that way. I know that that's all you were taught, and I have full sympathy for that. But that is a standard that we do have to hold. Okay. All right. That, man, thank you. That makes a lot of sense. This is like the PhD of FDR, right? So, I mean, this is totally advanced stuff, right? But it, it's just a way to give you a little less confusion and a little, like, it doesn't matter when you have the conversation, right? You just, you just have to not have the conversation honestly, right? Which is not, oh, I'm afraid of hurting him. No, you're afraid of being upset yourself. You're afraid of being anxious. It's your anxiety you're trying to manage. It's nothing to do with, with him, right? And then you can be honest, right? It just, it gets the, the fog out of the way, right? And the confusion out of the way. So you might not have this conversation for six months, but you won't imagine that it's because of some financial thing and you won't imagine it's because you don't want to hurt his feelings and you won't imagine, you'll know the truth which is that I want to control my own anxiety by avoiding this conversation. And I'm going to feel it if and do it, right? But at, at least you'll know the truth, right? And then you can make your decisions honestly, right? Okay. Okay. How, how, long, um, how long would you wait? I mean, I know, I know that you can't really say that because you're not me, but I mean, is this something... Oh, I'd do it. You, you know? I, I would do it now. Like, I would, um, I, would, uh, I would not even finish this conversation, but go and sit down and do it now. Or at least make that commitment. Okay. Like if you want to okay. role play, if you want to sort of figure stuff out or whatever, that can be fine too. But the commitment would be as soon as possible for me, right? And, and I'm not saying that I would then do it immediately, right? but that would be my commitment that once I knew the truth and wanted to speak the truth to someone, that I would then speak the truth to that person at the earliest reasonable opportunity. And your th yeah, sorry, yeah, Christina was just uh, mentioning that uh, use your therapist. See, that is a relationship where you can use people because you're paying them. But, uh, but you can use your therapist to prepare for this as well. But uh, at the earliest reasonable uh, opportunity, for sure, uh, would, would be the way that I would approach it. And, and that, that's what you're ready for, right? Because otherwise, you wouldn't have called me. 
Okay. All right. And you, you also, you know exactly how this okay. conversation is going to turn out, right? But you just need to see it. You need to see it. Okay. Um, um, thank you very much, and, uh, <laughs> I'll keep you posted. I, I don't, I, uh, I don't know if I'll be able to do this conversation. No, no, you don't. Look, you're not obligated to have this conversation ever. The whole point is freedom, right? You can spend the rest of your life hanging around and biting your tongue and talking about the oil and gas industry and Ron Paul and whatever you want, the weather and your college grades or whatever. You're not obligated to have this. Like, There's no point substituting an FDR have-to for a parental have-to for a God have-to for a government have-to, right? You're not obligated to have this conversation, right? You just have to be honest with yourself about what's going on. And, and you are remarkably honest with yourself and full, full marks for that, for what it's worth. Sure. Well, um, well again, oh, listen, thank you're you. welcome. Uh, you are, you're doing a magnificent, magnificent job. I mean, uh, if I could levitate, I would be levitating with admiration right now. I appreciate that. All right, well, we will uh, move on then. If somebody else has a question or a comment, there's no request mic in this conference call kind of thing, so uh, you can uh, just uh, speak up uh, using your high voice. Hello, Steph. Hi. Can you hear me? I sure can. Oh, good. How's it going? I'm doing fine. How are you? Good. I'm, I'm adjusting the mic level. I'm just not sure if this is uh, working right. Sorry about It's my first time on Skype, so... Welcome. If I had a first-time caller ring-a-ding, I'd ring-a-ding it. <laughs> oh, here I can hear a little better now. I just don't want to create any feedback loops. Yeah, so, we need um, feedback for the solos. Sorry, go on. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I missed a little bit of the chat uh, in the beginning. But um, I don't know. I've been uh, contemplating a little bit of what you talked about um, two weeks ago regarding... The caller with um, talking about your position on marijuana and other drugs. Yeah, I thought that one might come back up. Uh, let's uh, let's hear your perspective. Um, <clears throat> sorry, I'm a little bit nervous. <laughs> don't worry, um, there's, only, there's only seven people in this conversation. Don't think of the thirty thousand who'll end up hearing it because <laughs> just kidding. Right, right. You know, you know, there's some great ways to relax that involve a medicinal herb known as. Anyway, sorry, go on. <laughs> Yeah, I'll save that one for a little later. But um, I guess what I was wondering was um, you seem pretty sure of the fact that um, what people experience on various substances is in fact an illusion, right? Um, I was wondering how you came to this like so assuredly, like how you know that, I don't know, like it seems like if you're going to do that or say that, that... Um, you would also have to include dreams and other um, natural um, forms of, you know, uh, displacement from regular consciousness in the realm of um, not being authentic, right? Well, and, and one of the gentlemen on the board proposed a novel as a mind-altering substance as well, right? Right, sure. Uh, or a, the body a, an does, album or music. Yeah, I mean, the body does produce natural endorphins. The body does uh, produce uh, various uh, uh, biochemical agents that uh, can have an effect upon your mind. And, of course, sleeping is, uh, is a key one, right, wherein we sure. go through these absolutely wild 
you know, I mean, if 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 uh, if uh, if it were artificial, it would be illegal for sure, right? I mean, because it's a, <laughs> absolutely right. If they could find a way to turn off your dreams, yeah, it's a complete alternate reality state, and so on. So, um, uh, but but to me, uh, to me, there is a difference between what occurs to the body naturally and what occurs to the body through an external and artificial substance. And by artificial. All I mean is not natural to the body. I don't mean like it's, you know, produced by the feces of space monkeys or something. Uh, right. So, well, I, I, so go ahead. I wonder if you've heard of, um, I mean, you mentioned a few specific ones in your uh, podcast, um, you know, ecstasy and marijuana and heroin and all these drugs that you despise. But um, have you heard of DMT before? Uh, I have not. It's uh, dimethyltryptamine. Um, I've never experienced it, but I've... Um, Sort of been listening to um, a series of you know on the internet how there's incredible uh, you know new information out there, and um, people have just reported a lot of trips that they've had on this DMT, which is actually a um, naturally occurring in the brain substance. It's it's actually from what I understand is um, what induces dreams to a certain extent. Like we experience dreams and. REM sleep because of this DMT in our brains, and um, I'm wondering. I mean, that do you still consider that? Like people take you know the DMT by itself, and it's it's more than you normally have in your brain. But you're, from what I understand, able to experience a, a sort of waking dreamlike state, and um, seeing that it's naturally produced, and you're just sort of adjusting the balances, so to speak. Um, do you consider that also to be um, Unnatural, or sure. How does... sure, sure it is because you're not adjusting the balance. You're not adjusting the balances. You're adding new stuff, right? Well, it's not. I mean, it's not unknown to your system. Your system knows exactly what it is. Well, sure, um, but I mean, it's... our body naturally produces insulin, right? But unless you're diabetic, if you take a lot of insulin, you're going to get very sick, right? So the fact that right. a substance occurs naturally in our body does not mean that it's not unnatural to add more. To of have it. that, to have that ratio. Right. I mean, now, I would certainly say this is why I put in the thread, like drugs for non-medicinal reasons, right? So if you've got glaucoma or you have, uh, you have um, queasiness from chemotherapy, I'm sure marijuana is great, right? It helps keep the medicine down. Well, sure. And so on. And right. If somebody is, is missing this stuff in their brain and is not able to sleep and is not getting then they should take some, right? <laughs> if it's right. restoring the body to its natural state, and I know that there's a gray area and this and that, which we don't need to deal with because I don't think that's really what people are talking about when they talk no, about it. No, I know. Right? So, so for you, it's all about intention, in terms of like um, if you're using it for recreational or, or versus using it for um, to supplement some sort of, you know, get you back to a normal uh, state, right? Right. I mean, and just, like, I, I'll just give a very, very short speech, which I'm going to put in a sort of YouTube video because I haven't actually pissed off the YouTube community quite enough. <laughs> uh, and I'm sure right. that, uh, some people watch my stuff stoned, though I can't imagine what that would do to them. <laughs> but uh, well, I, I mean, I think, yeah, sure. It might help. Uh, but... Um, <laughs> But, but the issue for me is, is that the continuum that I go back and forth with with drug users is this, right? So I say, look, I mean, I'm a very happy person and creative and this and that and so on without any drugs, you know, whatsoever. And, of course, they'll bring up, you know, coffee and Twinkies and novels and stuff like that. But to me, that's all just on sequitur, right? Because it's not... Well, co coffee is a fairly strong drug, especially in terms of its, you know, potential for addiction. It's not... But it totally does, it's not a mind-altering drug, right? I mean, you don't uh, hallucinate. It can be the first or second time you take it. I mean, it's not like... No, um, no. I mean, maybe for some people, but honestly, I've never had visions because I had a, a mocha latte. Like, that just doesn't happen, right? It's well, not right, but I mean, if you, if, you took enough, if you took enough, it could be. I mean, it was, it was many, many years ago thought to be a divine substance, you know, a very um, 
because you know people took it in much larger dosages but you know imagine having a lot of caffeine it, it is it is a mind-altering drug we just don't take it in mind-altering levels it, no it's you know, not a mind-altering cash- drug in so far as i've never heard that caffeine can produce uh, visions or alter your perception of reality or you know if you have three lattes you can see music or something like that right well i guess yeah it's not like um you know magic mushrooms or marijuana or anything but it is you know it is a mind altering i mean i just don't want to totally trivialize caffeine but i understand what you're saying so go ahead i mean it's it's a it's a minor minor drug compared to the others right so so the issue is that um when i talk to people about drugs right there's one of two situations that can occur right so either they say well my normal happiness level is like 50% but when i take drugs it goes to like 90% or something like that right right in which mm-hmm. case you say wow that is a huge jump in happiness right so normally you're like trundling along you're not happy you're not sad but then when you smoke marijuana you go from 50% to 90% or something like that right and then that, right. to me, would make some sense in the short run. Because then you'd say, well, who wouldn't want to be at 90% happiness rather than 50% happiness, right? So mm-hmm. that makes sense, right? And so uh, I then say, well, um, the problem with using drugs to go from 50% to 90% happiness is that because you don't get there naturally, it's not sustainable, right? Now, clearly, just from a, a sort of cost-benefit analysis, if you can go from 50% to 90% happiness and stay at more or less 90% happiness without drugs, that would be better, right? Well, even if it involved like a one-time shot, you mean? No, like, like if, if there was you a... didn't need drugs to get to 90% happiness. You mean if you didn't have to keep buying them again and again? Right. Like if you could just take it once and then get there and then you wouldn't have to keep taking it? No, no. Like if you didn't have to take any drugs to go from 50% happiness to 90% happiness. Okay, right. So the people would prefer that, right? Because it would be cheaper. It would be um, less legally complicated, let's say. Right. Right. And there would be no risk of, of uh, dependency. There would be no health risks. I mean, so smoking marijuana is not the healthiest thing in the world. I know that you can take it other ways. But, but if well, right. I mean, that way, if you could get to the 90% happiness without taking the drug, then that would be better. I mean, I'm sure everybody would agree with that, right? Well, I don't know. I mean, you said in your last podcast that. Um, you thought that people could reach these same states that they reach, like um, you know these um, intense psychedelic states of being able to compose great music by like you know adequate therapy and other you know like internal reflection and these kind of methods. And I was just wondering if you really still stand by that. You know. Oh that- sure, yeah, because I I mean I do right. I mean I write novels, I write poetry, I uh, I I get an incredible high off podcasting. Uh, and, Absolutely, and and I don't do any of that. And I've, I'm in a very happy person, and I don't do that with any drugs. Uh, that the let's just talk about the illegal drugs. Okay, well, that's fine. Um, uh, you know the um, the thing that kind of you know keeps coming back to me is that I, you know I I don't know how you can say that without having a point of reference for the experience that people do have and the ability. I mean, you're you're putting together a you know great. Uh, work of art, I think, with Free Domain Radio, but it's it's not like a, um, uh, you know, swirling Sgt. Pepper, you know, meets Queen or anything like that. It's And I'm not saying that that's the epitome of art. Maybe maybe this is the epitome of art. But, um, you know, um, I, I don't know that, you know, the desired state that, you know, a lot of people want to reach can be reached just through, you know, um, psychology and, you know, figuring it out for yourself and, you know... Um, 
there does seem to be some value in that experience. And and I, I guess I just don't also understand why you don't think it's, you know, um, or why you just think it's an illusion or, you know, in the sense that you kind of like um, want to, you know, distance yourself from the drugs, but but not from other things that are drug-like, like dreams and other things. Like, um, well, it is, it, but but it is an, an artificial illusion, right? To put a drug into your body does give you, and and this is one of the reasons. Let me just finish up my earlier point, if you don't mind, and then I'll, I'll get. Sure. To no, you. no, no. Please, please. Um. So so what happens is people say, well, I go fifty percent. I double my happiness on drugs or whatever, and clearly that's an addiction, right? If if you rely on a drug to make you happy, that's an addiction. Right and and well, I mean, sorry, go ahead. Why, why do you why do you say that? I mean, um, so you don't need it. Let's say, well, I mean, let's say you um, you find out, you know, one day when you're 13 that you know, oh my gosh, there's this thing, masturbation, right? And it's like you start to do that, and it's like, are you addicted to it? Is it? Un- no, no, I mean, see, we're going back. We have to go back to our earlier distinction that masturbation does not is natural. Uh, it, it does not introduce new substances into the body. In fact, it just introduces new substances to your furniture. Well, <laughs> that's true, um, but you know, chemically, it, it's it's very much like a a drug trip. Well, you know, no, because like, I mean, um, it's I, very I, much... as, as a thirteen-year-old boy, I didn't just get tennis elbow from tennis, and I don't ever remember reality being distorted uh, through or after the act of masturbation. I do remember getting not even for twenty seconds. In the, I mean, it, it is a. A mind-altering experience, but it's I not mean, and something you keep... right. It's not. It's it's not hallucinatory. Uh, I don't see visions. I don't. I can't see music during an orgasm or anything like that. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I've had different kinds, but you know, it's um. You know, you it just seems store to... those hands. They could make quite a bit of money from you. <laughs> it's a rub target. <laughs> Maybe I I could be um, mistaken, but. But you know, what it I'm seems is that um, uh, that uh, and, and of course orgasms don't last hours and and they're not illegal and you don't have to you know worry about the what you know is going into your body and stuff like that. But all I'm saying is that if if there's a big jump in happiness from taking drugs, then clearly that's a kind of addiction, right? Because you can get to happiness without taking drugs. I know that because I mean I've been unhappy and I. I've been happier because of working on myself and learning the truth and so on. So you can get to a state of, of great joy and, and a permanent state. I mean, I'm a really happy guy for the most part. No, I, always, but, I, but a, a very sustainable state of joy without taking, without taking drugs, if you do the work, right? If you sort of earn it, right? It's the difference between going to the gym and taking steroids, right? But, right. And, I'm sorry, let me you know, I don't, point. So on the other hand, though, so when I point that out, that clearly going, like doubling your happiness or going 50 to 90% happiness is addictive, then people say, well, no, it's not that big a deal. It's just a slightly better thing. It's just like it's, I'm going from 85 to 90% or whatever, right? In which case, then the risk doesn't make any sense, right? Because there is risk in taking drugs. There's legal risk, there's medical risk, uh, and uh, there is, of course, the risk that you think you're gaining something that you're not. And that's the fundamental issue that I had, right? So I have, which is that, to me, the most dangerous thing is the illusion of knowledge, right? So there's all these people I've talked to throughout the years who say, oh, I get the most amazing connections on drugs. I really understand a whole bunch of stuff. Stuff becomes really clear to me and so on and so on, right? right. And so yeah, I say, sure. well, tell me. And, and, and I say, first of all, the fact that a drug, a drug is going to create receptions in your brain. It's going to join neurons together, right? And it's going to give the illusion of oneness and the illusion of understanding. But there is a standing joke among every single stand-up that I've ever seen who talks about drugs, which is you wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning after an LSD trip or during an LSD trip, and you've solved the problems of the universe, and you've understood the meaning of life. 
And then you jot it down and you wake up six hours later and it just says, you know, the frog ate my aardvark or something like that, right? So the problem well, right, is sure. it gives you the illusion of connections. It gives you the illusion of wisdom, the illusion of knowledge. And then when you ask people, so what are the great things that you've gotten out of drug use, you just get the most banal stuff, you know, like like uh, we are all one or something like that. Like it's not See, I don't know. That, that's kind of um, – it's, it's, it seems to me that that's kind of um, – you know, a unfair condemnation of the whole experience, and I'm sure that a lot of it is like that. But you know, how, sorry, how sorry much of people? Just because you said unfair condemnation, uh, I'm just saying it's everyone I've ever talked to about drugs, and I'm and this is going on on the board at the moment, okay. right? So I'm asking people, what are the great insights and revelations that you've had with drugs? And I also ask them, and again, I'm sorry to be interrupting. I just want to make this. No, clear. no, no. I also do ask them, if you get a revelation on a drug that, that's supposed to join, I don't know, the universe and herrings and solar systems together, then clearly right. you need to work it out logically as well, right? The feeling of a connection, the feeling of an insight, especially when it's drug-induced, is not the same as knowledge, right? Like if, no, like, you're right. Like if you say, well, if I uh, eat a light bulb, I'll cure cancer, and that came to me during an LSD trip. Clearly, you need to do some research before eating a light bulb, right? You need to no. Think I think that anything you take, yeah, you have to anything you, have to you take back with you. So then, what I do still has to. Sorry, uh, I just finished the point, and then I'll turn it back to you. So then, what I do is I say, okay, so you've had these connections. Why don't you tell me what they are? And I assume that you've worked it out logically to validate that it is in fact a real connection and not just something that occurred because of a drug, right? So you validate it. And I have yet, after talking about this issue for twenty years, I swear to God, I have yet to meet anybody who has had a revelation that is genuinely original, who has gone through and worked it out logically. But that doesn't phase them at all. They still say, I'm getting all this knowledge and wisdom from drugs, even though it's demonstrably, at least in my experience, talking about it with a large number of people, not there. Right, right. And the illusion of okay, knowledge well, is worse than ignorance, because you think you're somewhere when you're not, right? Right, and I, I mean, you're absolutely right that I think that anything you do, you know, any epiphanies that you have have to be checked against, you know, um, a sober reality as well before you sort of uh, go about implementing whatever you want to bring back from that realm. But, um, you know, it, it just seems like, um, you know, there are things in, in that state that, that, you know, are boundary dissolving that, you know, just general epiphanies that you can have of like, I don't. For me, on on uh, marijuana, it was, it was just more sort of the um, acknowledgement that yeah, you know, all you know, and I do think of a lot about you know um, politics and religion, sometimes during um, these experiences, and um, maybe that's not what most people are thinking about. I have no idea, but um, for me, you know, it kind of clicked. You know, like yeah, government is totally an illusion. You know, and that's something I think you generally have put put out on your show, you know, that that's the case with, you know, abstract power structures is that they're just, you know, uh, these mental abstractions, right? But how do you... And, uh, well, I mean, that, that, that was just sort of reinforced to me, you know, in that state. And so, I, I mean, Sorry I guess I can't... Reinforced sure. is not a statement of cognitive ability, right? Like, because you could be a bigot who says, I don't know, I hate Chinese laundromat people. Right. And, and right. maybe you smoke drugs and that is reinforced. But reinforced is not a statement of knowledge. Right. No, I mean, I'm not I'm not looking for that, um, looking to validate these theories on a state, you know, of um, in any sort of psychedelic state. But, you know, it, it, it is a for me, at least a useful tool for um, contemplation and trying, you know, 
trying to bend the mind a little bit to um, see what else you can get out of it. And, you know, obviously you have to, you know, meet that with some sober reflection too and just kind okay, of so you, look at the so whole tell me, picture. What's the, so you're making a claim, which is that you have, uh, uh, you have insights or revelations during drug use that turn out to be true under rigorous analysis, right? So, I'm sorry, so you're making a claim that when you smoke drugs, you right. have insights, which then turn out to be true. On well, some of them. I mean, some of them don't make any sense at well, all. But, but so mean, step, step me through one of these insights that turned out to be true based on a rational analysis. Well, I mean, it's not that simple. It's kind of like, it's, I, I want to go back to the dream analogy in that you can just sort of get little things out of it that you probably wouldn't have otherwise. You know, um, when you're in a dream, it's not like the dream tells you exactly what to do. It's you have to think about it and decipher it. And, you know, to come up with one exact example, I, I can come up with some nebulous sort of like, here's kind of how I felt and here's how this helped me. But it's more of, you know, like... But you do understand that this is sure. why... When people tell me that on the other side of these doors of perception are all these mental treasures, and I say, okay, well, just show me one, and nobody ever can, that makes me... This, well, oh, because on, this is exactly the same, and I'm not saying that you're epistemologically the same, but this is everyone who says to me, well, if you really pray to God, then he'll answer to you. Like, on the other side of all this beautiful <laughs> stuff to do with truth and Jesus and, and, I don't know, statues whose eyes bleed blood and stuff, right? They say, well, if you believe, then there's all this stuff on the other side that God has knowledge and wisdom. And then I say, okay, well, tell me something that God has told you that is, uh, is true and, and original and so on. And they can never do it, right? No, you're right. I mean, but um, I'm, why does it have to be, you know, a, a specific thing, you know, as more of, um, you know, just a tool for experience? Like, you know, I, I may not be able to pinpoint the exact revelation, you know, I don't keep detailed logs or anything or I don't keep, you know, dream journals either. But, um, well, then, you know, to me, the, the insight that I get is roughly the same. But then how do you know? And the reason that I'm, I'm bugging you on this, and I do apologize. So no, I'm sure. Asking, no, please, please. How do you know that they're real revelations rather than, like, if you don't keep a dream journal and you don't have a review and an, ana and an, and an analysis of the things that you've experienced on drugs, how do you know that they're right. genuine revelations rather than just your brain being tricked into thinking that it's made a connection when it hasn't? Well, either way, I mean, you know, like you can go watch um, a movie that you totally disagree with, but then come away from it with, uh, you know, just maybe one sort of like, hmm, you know, that triggered this thought, which triggered this thought, and now, now I kind of understand where they're coming from on that. You know, you don't, it doesn't have to be, um, oh, wow, I found... Pythagoras theorem in my drug-induced state or something like it doesn't have to be a I don't know I, I, I do have to you know you do understand why I'm asking these questions right again not just to be annoying or to be like you know this the square who's like just the facts ma'am or whatever right I, I don't mean to be Friday right. here but when somebody puts forward a claim that says there is knowledge and wisdom which are two things that I highly value which I think is right. the result of dedicating your brain to rationality and creativity and, 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 uh, and reality and so on. When someone says that there is great creativity in, uh, in, distortion, in distorting the mind, and I know that one of the things right. that occurs on drugs is people feel that they're achieving a knowledge when it, it, objectively they're not, then I have to ask if someone says that the road to wisdom is the opposite of the one that I have found to be the most productive, I have to ask for evidence, right? Right, but I mean, I don't, 
I hope I didn't, you know, make the claim that it is like a road to wisdom. It's just a, a tool for um, sort of looking at things different ways, and that's really oh, all it is. I'm oh, not sorry. trying to say it's, it's a tool. The ultimate it is a tool key. not for looking at things different ways. It is a tool for looking at things incorrectly. I mean, according to objective reality, right? I mean, because they well, drugs I mean, distort the mind. It's looking at things. It look. It's looking at things different than how they are in ordinary you know, waking existence, but I'm, sorry. Um, I'm going to have to stop you just, and I'm, I'm, again, I'm really sorry. Go ahead. Interrupt, interrupt as much as you want. I really, yeah, I'm, I'm very happy sorry to have to this be so annoying. But when you say ordinary waking existence, is there another existence that I'm not aware of? I mean, is this a platonic thing you're talking about? A higher realm of forms? I mean, what other, what um, other reality is there that I'm not aware of? I don't, I don't know exactly what it is. I, I wish I could articulate it. And I have to admit, you know, I'm coming at this, you know, this is this is not like you know the one topic that um, yeah, you know I feel really strongly about. It's just this one topic that um has been really on my mind because I I can't make sense of it fully and and the things that you say seem somewhat logical but they don't seem to match my experience and then my experience is that these trips are valuable you know and I I, I, I wish I could that's articulate exactly, that you know that's in exactly what the drugs would do right is they would give you the feeling that your trips are valuable. But in fact, they would not be valuable in terms of real knowledge and but insight. They, are, they would feel, I mean, I guarantee well, you, just based on my knowledge of what psychoactive drugs do, that you would feel right. that you had achieved great value through this trip. But the reality is that you wouldn't have. I mean, just according to my understanding of it, and I'm certainly not a, you know, a pharmacologist or anything like that, but, but right. the, 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 what would happen when you take drugs is you would really have a very strong feeling that you had achieved wisdom or knowledge or truth or connections or insights or something like that, but then you would be right. unable to articulate them in a rational manner. That's what you would expect yeah. from drug, uh, because that's what they do to the brain, is they create connections artificially. Right. So when and, you uh, say to me that you get these insights and I ask you what they are and you can't tell me, what that does is, and of course, for sure, whether I'm right or wrong, I definitely have dedicated my life to destroying illusions, especially the illusion of knowledge, right? right? So if drugs create illusions of knowledge, they're going to be my mortal enemy, so to speak, right? Sure, and I, I would absolutely agree with you. I mean, I, I read your book. I think it's great. Um, and I think illusion is the culprit here. But um, And I think, you know, culture is an illusion and all these other things are illusionary in nature. But, um, you know, but not just for me, you know, it, it hasn't been not that drug way. No, like and I, I, I fully respect and understand that you're telling me the complete, honest, and total truth. And I believe that of people who use drugs. So I'm not, I'm not, I don't for a moment think that you're trying to fool me, right? It's to right, know right. that drugs give you the illusion of connections, right? That's what they do, is they wire up the brain in ways that aren't empirical, right? So they, they give well, you the I mean, feeling of... Rather than, rather than illusion can, I mean... I don't know if it would be any different at all to say just say distortion or, um, you know, and I, maybe that's the same thing. Well, an illusion is usually um, a more powerful distortion, but I'm I'm fine with distortion as well, right? But it's definitely an erroneous interaction with reality. Like it's not valid, it's not true, it's not empirical. It's a distortion of your perception. It just seems <laughs> to say that. I mean, I, I I understand fully fully where you're coming from on that because I used to feel that way myself. I mean, I I thought that anyone that participated in drug culture was clearly just using it for escapism. I mean, there was no way around it. And I didn't even try drugs till I was, you know, 21. Um, or I guess it was 20. But, um, you, you know, I'm it, just kidding. Go on. <laughs> well, I do remember. I, I just sort of, um, 
Well, listen, can I just ask you for mind. a favor then? Because, look, I'm, I, I don't want to be wrong about drugs. You know, if there's a way for me to... Right, and I, I don't want to be I'll wrong be, about uh, it either. I'll be uh, riding the horse as quickly as I can. But um, what, what you can do for me is, is you can um, start to write down the stuff that is occurring for you while you're on drugs. Uh, not that you've ever talked okay. but if you did, right, because they're recording. But, but <laughs> you can write down right. what happens, like the insights that you get on drugs, right? You can write them down. And then we can see if they plan if they play out logically, right? Because that's the test: logic well, and I'm, reason. I'm not saying that ev- everything is logical, but like you know, your dreams aren't logical, right? Well, but they, they're still somewhat. I, mean, I think they are, right? I mean, I've done a lot a lot of dream analysis. I think that there is. You think all dreams are logical? I think that that well, I mean, all the dreams that I've had handed to me that I've done a dream analysis of have a particular kind of. So you you sure. think you'd be able to analyze any dream? You know, or maybe not you, but you know, it could be analyzed given the right technique and the right uh, insight. Right? That I mean, I couldn't state that as an absolute theory, but I certainly can say that the dreams that I have analyzed have had a real logic to them. So, so you just—I okay. mean, if you have a belief, right? And obviously, you don't want to have the illusion of knowledge rather than the knowledge itself. You don't want drugs to be giving you a feeling that you're achieving something that you're not, right? Because then, then you stop. Right? True. If, if, as I said in the book, right, if I'm driving home and I get home, I stop driving, right? So if drugs are giving you a knowledge that is illusory, then they're actually blocking your search for knowledge. They're retarding your search for wisdom, right? If, if, I'm not saying they are, but if they are. Um, yeah, I guess so. But, um, you know, like everything that you say and, um, you know, it, it always seems to come down to your personal experience, and that seems key to the whole equation, right? You have to look in and um, analyze your own personal experience on these things, right? Yes, but according to reality um, and logic, not according to just what you feel, right? Like a, a parent who gets angry at a kid and yells at the kid really feels like the kid should be yelled at, right? But that doesn't mean that right. it's just or fair. So, yes, absolutely, you need to analyze your own thoughts and feelings, but with regards to, to reality and, and logic and right. consistency, right? UPB. No, I understand that. Um, you know, um, it just seems like, you know, it's, it's so, it's, it's too heavy-handed, in, in my opinion, to just throw out there, you know, that all, all drugs um, are pure... Uh, deviation from what we, um, what the human experience is all about, and you know, it seems like you know, drugs have been around forever. I mean, they're they're older than humans well, are, you know, right? You know, um, but I mean, that doesn't mean that it's good. And of course, religious people feel no. all the time that they're getting a cosmic oneness and so on, right? Which we don't take seriously. Sure. No, I don't take that seriously either. I mean, but, I, um, I'm, I'm perfectly happy to make this a te- I mean, I've always wanted this to be a testable thesis. I'm not willing to test it by, by experimenting on myself, right. right? Because I don't think that they're good. But uh, nonetheless, I'm more than happy to, to make this a, an experiment that is, is testable, right? Because I'm all for reason and evidence, right? So what you have to do is just write right. down the stuff that you feel is insightful when you're on a drug, and we'll have a look at it. You can post it anonymously, or you can just IM me or whatever. And we'll have a. We'll well, I, don't, I don't mind being public about it, we'll, we'll but um, what, the, uh, you know whether these connections that you feel you're making uh, are valid or not, right? Because if they're not, well, I mean, a lot of the a lot of the things I'm going to be writing are things that you know we both already agree on. You know, like you know, a lot of the feelings I have in both you know stone and unstone states are 
very much the same. You know, it's like reinforcement or just not reinforcement, but um. Well, yeah. See, uh, you know, I'm thinking about I'm thinking about liberty and you know, person. Um, what's what's it called? Uh, you know, um, just personal um, integrity issues. Like these are constantly afloat in my mind, whether or not I'm I'm high, right? And so, what I would write down probably, you know would be somewhat indistinguishable from anything else. And I guess you, you're, I know where you're going to go with that in that, well, then you don't need it. I'm not but, trying to um, catch you. Like, it's just that when, when people make truth statements to me, I take them very seriously, right? So when people say to me, right, I right. get insights on drugs. And of course, if you could get the insights without the drugs and the happiness without the drugs, you'd never take the drugs, right? So if people say to me that I get happiness and insights on drugs that I could not get without drugs, right, then I just, I just, I can't take if somebody says, uh, I, I saw Jesus dancing in my tapioca last night, right? <laughs> right. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm definitely, I mean, I hope we can kind of use this as a platform for maybe an, an ongoing chat every once in a while where, um, you know, because it just has been really, um, it's the one thing, you know, that, that you've put out there that I'm kind of that stopped me in my tracks. And, and, I and like, look, I mean, I, I want to be really? more rigorous than just have it as an occasional chat topic, right? You need to write down, and I, I can totally get that you don't want to do this, right? So um, you don't have no, to. No, I, <laughs> I, I, I would love to. The thing is, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm not unwilling to talk about my drug use. I smoke, or I guess, you know, now I vaporize uh, marijuana, you know, probably once a day, maybe not every day, but mostly every day. And, um, you know, I've had a great, you know, last couple of years, things have been really, really good for me. And, and these, um, you know, rather than write down thoughts and um, epiphanies or whatever, I've been working on, you know, putting together a recording studio here in California. And um, it's only been the last few months, but I mean, I can tell you that, it, you know, these, um, these drug-induced uh, states have really, you know, pushed me to envision how this studio is going to be laid out, and um, I think it's come together really, really well. I think it's um, that may or may not have happened in the absence of the drugs, you know, and hopefully it would have anyways. But I, I'm just saying it's it's helped me. I mean, it's not been um, a neutral. Um, it hasn't been a, a, a neutral part of this whole thing. It's been kind of an active part. I sort of let myself get overwhelmed, or not overwhelmed, but I let myself get taken in with the the essence of being in this recording environment and, you know, just turn on the vaporizer and just kind of let my mind wander and I draw these pictures of how I think it should go. And, you know, it's it's really been productive. It hasn't been, you know, what you say in terms of, um, you know... Uh, just being purely illusionary, you know, it's it's been a, a tool for me and a useful one. Well, I'm I'm sure, and and uh, I have no doubt that people get positive effects from taking drugs, right, as they perceive it, right. I mean, there's no question of that for me because they exist and people take them, so there are positive things that come out right. of it, right. Uh, I have found that um, because I used to smoke when I wrote, right, smoke cigarettes. And mm -hmm. I found that sure. breaking that association was highly worthwhile for me, right? I got to, uh, uh, to, to not be reliant on it for creativity. And I found that my creativity, like The God of Atheists, was the first book that I wrote without, uh, without smoking. Uh, and I was never a heavy, so I got two cigarettes when I wrote over the course of four hours or whatever, right? So I was never a heavy, but, uh, but I found that breaking that habit uh, opened up new creativity for me, right? Because it kind of wears a groove in your brain, but 
But nonetheless, look, I mean, I can't argue with your personal experiences, and, and neither would I want to, because, I mean, that would be respectful to, right. to what it is you're telling me, which, of course, is, I'm sure is the truth. But um, there is a risk of, of looking towards drugs to manage anxiety and to, to use drugs to, to, to lower um, self-criticism, right? Because drugs are a disinhibitor, right, physically, like alcohol is, right? Mm -hmm. Like too much alcohol. Uh, so there's always a risk that well, people use different drugs to, are different, to, um, to get to places, to take shortcuts to places within themselves that I think they could more reasonably get to uh, more persistently, consistently the drugs, right? Like if, if you had, I'm not saying you did, right? But if you had certain kinds of self-criticisms that inhibited your creativity, I think it's worthwhile to work right. on those in a therapeutic setting rather than to mask them with drugs and say, I've made progress, if that makes sense. Yeah, that, that does make sense. And, you know, I, I guess that's true to me to a certain extent, you know, that um, I'm able to not think about being criticized as much, you know, um, and just go ahead and start creating. And, you know, in the absence of that, you know, I, I haven't tried in a while. Maybe I should try and just see what it'd be like to work on my music in my studio in the absence of something I've become used to, which is marijuana. But, um, you know... It hasn't. It just seems like you know, it's it's there. It's a tool. It helps at least in terms of my perception. You know, uh, my perception is that it helps, and I can't really just say no. You're right. It doesn't because that would be contrary to my. Yeah, of course. Experience. I guarantee. I mean, I perfectly believe you that it does help. The interesting thing would be uh, to find out uh, if you could now do it with like if you were if you have a crutch and it is a kind of crutch, right? I mean, obviously you're trying if. Well, I mean, I do it. I do it every day. Yeah, so I guess you crush. could call it that. The key thing you want to do, right, is, is let, let's say, I mean, let's just say for the sake of argument that it's a useful crutch, but the point of a crutch is to put it away, right? True. I mean, but you know, a crutch also, you know, gives it a connotation of something that you definitely want to get sure. rid of. Someday. And I'm saying that if you can and, get to um, the same creativity, uh, and and I would say even more creativity. I've certainly had more creativity. Uh, since I stopped smoking. Uh, I guess I last smoked right. when I wrote about uh, six or seven years ago. But um, uh, I, So I've had more creativity in the absence of that. So I would say that the problem if you keep using a crutch is your leg keeps staying weak, right? Um, yeah, that's true. Um, but um, I guess I, I would have to make sure that, it, you know, this is in fact a crutch and not just something that came, came around and... Um, is beneficial to me all around. I mean, there's lots and lots of people who, you know, are able to integrate these substances in their life that, um, you know, it works out in a positive way. It, it really, um, there's tons of examples of people who have increased the net, and it's hard to say increased because, you know, we don't know exactly what their lives would have been like in the absence yeah, I mean, but, and um, also that self-reporting, right? So this is like people saying, well, God, belief in God makes me a happier and better person, right? True. I mean, but belief in God is kind of a very specific thing, you know, and the God part isn't there. And But drugs are real. Maybe the illusions aren't, or the um, maybe the different aspects of what you see during a trip are not real, but the drug itself is there in your brain. It's actually... It's more real than religion, right? Oh, sure, absolutely. The drug for itself. Sure. There's no question. So, so I mean, tr you don't have to do whatever you like to do. is fine with me, of course, right? Not that it matters. But 
Well, it, right, and I, I'm not trying to, you know, it just hits you when you're it taking hit me drugs. When you, I also would give it a shot. Just, this is nothing to do. I mean, of course, I don't think taking drugs is immoral, right? I think that it's irresponsible if you're a parent or if you're driving or whatever, right? Because you, you know, but I would agree. And say that. Sorry, my, but my, I would just say, um, my, give it a shot. I mean, this uh-huh. is just sort of from one guy who used to smoke to to a guy who who uh, who smokes marijuana, vaporizes marijuana. Now, try it without, right? Now, if you find that you get really anxious without the drug, then the drug is masking something that you need to deal with. I mean, I think we can agree on that. You don't want to be atom bombing your anxiety out of existence with a drug, right? Because that's not going to help you in the long run. So you might find that well, especially if there's a will, will uh, come out without the drug for sure. Right. And, you know, I just wanted to specify, you know, I'm not trying to advocate all drug use, but I, you know, of, of recent um, sort of the last maybe year or two, um, the category of drugs that's really just caught my attention would just be the psychedelics, you know, and you didn't mention anything really specifically about that in your last podcast or two podcasts ago. You you kind of clumped them all together, right? The cocaine with the uh, ecstasy, with the marijuana, it's all kind of clumped together in your mind, more or less, right? Distort your ability to process reality. I mean, of course, I'm a philosopher and a materialist, so and, and I'm a rationalist, so anything sure, which sure. distorts people's ability to correctly perceive reality, you know, whether it's God, the state, uh, the, the, the myth of the virtue of the family, or direct psychoactive drugs is going to be something that I'm not going to be, going to, not going to be a big fan of, right? Right, but um, I guess I just, um, you know, I wanted to know in your mind if there was any distinction between, you know, the, the harder, like, um, speed and meth and crack versus magic mushrooms, LSD and um, DMT and marijuana, the more, you know, boundary-dissolving, mind-expanding well, I mean, drugs there's a, there's, versus sorry, There's a difference those, to me uh, between um, Buddhism uh, or, or, I guess, uh, Unitarianism as far as religion goes and, and radical Islam, right? Uh, so for sure, if I had to be in a country uh, where there was a state religion, I'd rather it be Unitarianism or something like that. Um, but that right. doesn't mean it's right. And if there's, a, if there's a drug holding the culture in place, you'd rather it be um, marijuana and magic mushrooms yeah, than... If I, if, if I had to take you know, a drug, um, crack then cocaine. I would rather take marijuana than smoke crack, for sure, right? But that doesn't mean that I want to do either, right? Okay, right. No, I know, but, um, you know... I, I've sort of been, you know, listening to these other. Um, I guess the the whole movement, if you want to call it that, calls itself the psychedelic movement, uh, and I know that's probably, um, you know, just sort of uh, to you doesn't mean one thing or the other. You probably think they're, you know, equally de- departed from reality as any other drug user. But um, the, some of the things that they talk about, and I, you know, I I know you're going to say I'm hesitating for not mentioning any specifics and the specifics are kind of weird in a lot of cases <laughs> uh you know some of the things that people do report really do kind of make you think they have taken something kind of funny you know but um i don't know i just sort of when i listen to it i sort of appreciate what they're saying and like even when i you know e- even before i ever tried drugs i knew what it was like to be in this psychedelic state and i'm sure you do too right like if you're really tired and close your eyes and just sort of have this euphoria, right? I mean, you, you know, well, yeah, but I mean, the fact that you (laughs) take the statements of other drug users with some seriousness to me doesn't mean anything more. Not that I'm saying you're telling anything not true. 
but it doesn't mean anything more than the fact that when right. the uh, the Baptist priest says hallelujah, everyone says, who's a Baptist in the church, amen, right? It's just because they're on the say they all have the same premises, no. right? And, and uh, for drug users, they all would have had uh, the same sort of experiences, so stuff would click, right? The real question is, does it click with non-drug users, right? And I don't know whether that's true or not. Right, and I, I doubt that it would, you know, and um, that's kind of the problem is that, you know, non or people who haven't experienced it, you know, can't know what it is that those who have experienced it are talking about. Um, and I'm not trying to say, like, it's absolutely real, this other realm. I don't, I'm more confused no, by it real. than I am The other realm is not real, for sure. <laughs> I mean, it, there, there is no alternate reality to the one that well, is, right? So the, the other realm is not real, for sure. It's just your brain... Uh, short thing. You know, as as sort of you know empirical, rational, logical thinkers, you know, I I I tend to come to that conclusion too. But you know, our first premise in all this has to be that we're open-minded to the possibility that things aren't well, as yeah. they seem, right? At, at least you know, open-minded, and it has to be it has to be shown right. using There's reason. There's no reason that has ever but shown still, the existence you know, of all... this other realm, and we know that drugs distort perception. So if you perceive another realm while on drugs, and I don't while I'm not. I don't have to be wildly curious and, and open-minded to the point where I lose standards, right? Um, well, I mean, you say absolutely for sure there is no other realm. End of story. And, uh, you know, I'm inclined to agree with that. I really am inclined to agree with that as somebody who's followed your line of reasoning for a year and a half. And before that, you know, even... Um, I, I really do tend to side with, yeah, this is the only realm, and let's not worry about what happens after death or what happens in religious state or, you know, when people are tripping out on drugs. But um, it just seems that, you know, like, you don't know if there's another realm. I don't know either. I, I mean, I've experienced something that's, like, causes me confusion because... You know, it, it's in conflict with my more rational side. It's in conflict with the side of me that that, um, that says, "Wait a minute, no, that's not how the world that works." Is, right? if you the world is just you know, physics. And you still continue to go to this other realm, and you can bring back evidence, right? Then we can. Right? Well, no, there's no way I'll I'll ever get to that other realm, unless you know I have a concussion or something. You know, there's drugs are drugs it. Are you know, that's listen. I'm gonna I'm gonna way. stop this if you don't mind. <laughs> I really have enjoyed the debate, but no, I just yeah. think anybody no. else had something else that they wanted yeah, to, sure, to sure. mention. I really appreciate you calling in, and I think it's no, I appreciate to clarify my uh, narc-like bigotry towards uh, sure. this other realm. I really do. <laughs> well, I mean, I'd, I'd like to hear, you know, if you do have any more formal, you know, podcast on the on the subject. And I'm, I may call in again, you know, in a week or two, just to, um, if I have any other thoughts on it, just because it is something that's really kind of, just confusing me right now, even though it's not and just you know, for those the end of the world. Understand one way or the, the other. psychology of a marijuana um, user. When he says a week or two, he actually means about four to six weeks. Just, just in aren't aware. Right? <laughs> You're probably right. It, it took me about five five weeks to sure, set this sure. well, microphone. Well, there's lots of the in the way, right? Okay, so I'm going to open this up to anybody else. Yeah, yeah. Hey, thanks yes, again thank for you. I appreciate that. Uh, for chatting I really with do. me. It was, it was, really a, it was a great conversation. Definitely. Thank you very much. Do we have anybody else who wanted to come in with questions, comments, issues, challenges, problems? Mad praise for Untruth, the Tyranny of Illusion, available at freedomainradio.com. Speak. Speak. Speak, my spirits. I think I heard something. Hello? Yeah? Hello? 
Can you hear me? I sure can. Oh. <laughs> hey, what's up? Is this? Is this? Is this? Wait, somebody huh? else was before. Sorry, somebody else was just before you. Nobody. He's not. Uh, yeah, he's not. Nobody's muted. There is no mute in this. Uh, no, I'm there not, is no mute. I'm not. I'm not muted. No, no. There was somebody else who wanted to come in. Uh, who says he's just a? Hmm. No sound. Hold on. Yes. No. Absolutely. In a live show, we left to hold on. Just, just take your time. I'm gonna go get a sandwich. I go to the washroom, get a quick back rub, and uh, shave, and uh, come back. I'll hide in the bathroom where the L train won't make any noise. <laughs> take the L train. Or maybe make it worse. Excellent. Greg is actually, uh, he's in the belly of a whale. What we're trying to do is test the reality of particular biblical myths. So we had him swallowed by a whale, and he's going to see how long he can last. Uh, so uh, we're going to see what, what happens there. I think I swallowed a bone. Yeah, that's not one of the biblical myths that we're trying to figure out, Greg, but if you could do the walk on water thing and also find a leper. I know that can be tough to find. Try try Minnesota. <laughs> They're buried underneath all these parkas. Absolutely. No, it's tough. It's tough. Well, you, if you can find a blind person, that's great. Otherwise, get a fork, uh, and we can speed it up a little. All right. So is he coming in? Is he uh, boing? Somebody boinged. We don't know what that means. No, he's in. All right, Greg. Well, I don't know if the other guy's coming back in, so uh, you're allowed one question and no buts. One question... All right, so I've been uh, actually talking to my brother for the last day and a half, and uh, came up with a couple of questions. Hang on a second here. Sorry, I'm doing like eight things at once. Did he say a couple of questions? <laughs> Trying to no, pick I which one it would be. Questions. The best I one think for the trying show. to sneak something in there. I can feel his hand on my leg. Ooh, that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry. Oh, I just thought you um, had a really good cell phone. <laughs> Go on. More of, a, more of a psychology question. Um, Hang on, let me hand it over. <laughs> what? Hello. Can you still hear me? Yes, we can. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, so I was talking to my brother yesterday, and he was talking about his, about some of the conversations he has with his girlfriend, and he was talking about how open his girlfriend is, and how she, um, she isn't inhibited, uh, about talking about, you know, any subject at all, and will actually um, volunteer, volunteer things like, I don't like it when you do that, that kind of stuff. And, but, uh, sorry about the noise. But, but, uh, and I, I was wondering if that was, I was wondering if that was similar to uh, if it, 
you know, Steph talks about the real-time relationship, right, where you talk about how you feel rather than how the other person feels. Can you guys still hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Oh, I'm sorry. That's a good question. Um, the, uh, Greg, if you could just uh, put a few more pauses in between each question, uh, in between each word, that would be even more exciting. Yeah, sorry guys, I'm in the car, out of the car. It's like uh, getting a phone call from the voice box of Captain Kirk. So, question about the psychology. Okay, oh. now, my, now my attention is entirely on this. And what he was saying was that his girlfriend will tell him um, things like, I didn't like it when you did that, or I, I liked it when you didn't, when you did this, uh, expressing like and dislike rather than um, uh, a specific feeling, and I was trying to figure out if that was, if that um, was, was a, uh, if that could be considered something comparable to what Steph calls a real-time relationship where um, you, you describe your, your specific emotions to each other. Right. Well, can you give me an example? Um, sure. Like, um, uh, what was he saying last night? Uh, where, where he would... Uh, um, Uh, I can't remember the exact example he gave, but but something like you know, uh, like uh, say he laughed at something she didn't think was funny, right? Uh, sorry, Greg. Can I interrupt you for a question? Sure. Are you stoned? <laughs> no, 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 no. Absolutely oh, not. is it something but, else then? Is it something even harder? <laughs> I'm just I'm just wondering what your own experience of your speech patterns are like is like at the moment. Um, pretty <laughs> just, choppy. Yeah, just, pretty choppy. I'm I'm. I think actually, I think I understand the question, right? So, like, if I say I really like that you put away your dishes, or I don't like that shirt, or I like that uh, guy's haircut, or I don't like that kind of car, is it is that what you mean? Yeah, that kind of stuff. Except uh, directly related to each other, as opposed to somebody else. Is, yeah, is I, don't, uh, I don't believe that's the real-time relationship thing that I'm talking about. I think that sounds a whole lot like minor course corrections through subliminated nagging. <laughs> I think there's, there's a time and place for that. It can be quite useful in certain situations, but it's not what Steph's talking about, the real-time relationship where you're actually talking about feelings and emotions when someone has done something hurtful or, uh, or even something really good and really wonderful in the relationship. Right. Yeah, so, it can be very much. A, it can be a situation wherein somebody is attempting to to move the joystick a little to get someone to um, uh, to do something that they like through providing good and you know a stick and a carrot in terms of their opinions of everything that you're doing. So 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 saying something like, um, uh, I guess I'm trying to figure out what the distinction is between saying something like uh, that. You know, I was. 
I was really bothered by what you did there versus I didn't like what you did there. Well, it's the the distinction is close semantically, but I think this is what I think would be the distinction between the real time relationship and the possible endless uh, sort of uh, Chinese water drip of uh, of, of uh, nag nagotomies. It would be something like this, right? So if I say to Christina, uh, "It really bothered me when you did X," right? If she feels that she needs to stop doing X, then it's not a real time relationship. So, if I say, Christina, it bothers me when you do X, and she feels perfectly comfortable saying, well, tell me more, and she feels no obligation to change her behavior because of my feeling, that's a real-time relationship. But if she then feels, or if your brother feels, that he has to change his behavior because of what his girlfriend is saying, then it's, it's uh, manipulation. Okay, so, so if during the course of a, that discussion, if he ends up changing his behavior, well, either way it would be manipulation, right? Oh, no, because he might, he might end up changing his behavior. The question is, is she putting her feelings forward as uh, a problem to be solved by him doing something? Changing his behavior, doing more of what she likes, doing less of what she doesn't like. Or is she putting it forward like, I feel this, right? So let's say he's going out uh, dressed like uh, me, right? (laughs) Then I I don't have to tell you what that means. But um, so he's going out dressed like me. Now, if she feels anxious, right? She feels like, oh, God, people are going to look at this and think that I'm picking up a homeless guy or something, right? If she feels anxious and she says to him, I don't like it when you dress like that. That's not a real-time relationship. That's just nagging. Right? But if she says, you know, when you, when you dress like that, I feel anxious about going out, and I'm not sure why. What do you think? Right? She's not asking me to change. This is, of course, not Christina. She's not asking me to change. She's just saying, the way that you dress makes me feel anxious. And, 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 and the solution to that is for us to talk about what I feel, not for you to change your clothing because I feel anxious. So, okay, so it's not really the, it's not really the expression that's the problem. It's the, um, it's the intended goal of the expression. So, well, sure. You, I mean, you can take any sentence, and, and uh, it could mean just about anything, but does your brother, the question for your brother is, does he feel that he could be curious about his girlfriend's statements, or does he feel that he needs to do something to either gain the carrots or avoid the sticks? I see, I see. Right, so, so it's, the respon- it's really the response to that statement, then, that, that determines whether they're... So if she says, you know, I really don't like it when you do X, if he just stops doing X rather than asking, uh, then, then that's, that's where the problem arises. Right, and by X, I assume you mean ecstasy, which I think you're currently on. Is that right? <laughs> Feel no, the love. No, I'm sorry. I, 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 was, uh, I was trying to pack the truck and lock the doors, and I was doing 14 things at once, and I shouldn't have been doing that, but... No, no, no problem. Yeah, so, so that's, really the, uh, that's really what the question that, that's going on is, is what do you feel 
when you're on the receiving end of that stuff? Do you feel chastised? Do you feel praised? Do you feel, or, or, you know, or is somebody just expressing a thought or a feeling, right? Like if Christina comes in and says, I feel like an ice cream, right? Then that, that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm a bad husband for failing to provide her stuff. Oh, sorry, that one is not a good example. Um, but, but there, there, I mean, there may be some, uh, of course, this, this would be a pretty unhealthy relationship, I imagine, but there are going to be people out there that will interpret that as a, as a command, right? Sure, and then what you say in the real-time relationship is you say, you know, when you came in and you said, I feel like an ice cream, I suddenly felt that I was a bad husband for not already having had an ice cream for you. Isn't that funny? And then you talk about that. Oh, that's interesting. That's, yeah, because... Okay, so, so then... Yeah, so then it's all about just questioning the, the, the entire interaction rather than... No, I wouldn't want to give you, of all people, anything to do with questioning even more. All, <laughs> all it's about... Greg, is all it's about is being honest with how you feel. So it's not questioning, right? It's just if, if, if Christina comes in and says, um, I, I want ice cream, and I, I feel like a bad husband because I don't have ice cream ready for her, even though whatever, I didn't know or whatever, then I'm going to say, you know what, when you came in, I just felt like really bad because I didn't have ice cream ready for you. Isn't that weird? And we'll, we'll talk about it, right? And we'll right, talk well, about it. Right, so go ahead. There's, there's an alternative to that, though. You, I mean, you might feel, not bad, but you might feel like, well, um, it wouldn't be bad, but, but like, a, uh, like an impulse to get up and get the ice cream, right? Well, yeah, but I'm, I might do that because I wanted to give Christina an ice cream. But if I did that because I felt bad then that would not be a good thing to do, right? Because then I'm manipulating stuff to, to avoid anxiety or to avoid feeling bad. Like, I feel bad, and the solution is to go get some ice cream. If I just, oh, I'll, I'll be happy to get you some, right? I don't feel bad for not having gotten it. I just, you know, I like to make her happy, and if ice cream does it, let's, let's do that, right? Then, that's, uh, then you don't need to stop and analyze anything, right? But if I suddenly feel weirdly out of the blue like a bad husband because I don't have ice cream ready for her, then i got to say that. Because we've got to figure out where that's coming from, right? So that it doesn't trip us up again in the future. So if she actually said that, and you actually got the ice cream, and, and you didn't feel bad, you didn't feel bad, then... There's no oh, problem. Okay. I, I, yeah, I guess that's no problem, right? No big deal. Yeah, but, I mean, if, but, Christina but comes in and, if Christina comes in, sorry, if Christina comes in and says, you know, I've got a headache, accusingly, right? Like, like I did something wrong, right? Then we'd have to talk about that and said, you know, that came across really sharp there. Like, I felt like you were really blaming me for that, right? Right. That's one thing. But if she just comes in and says, oh, I have a headache, right? And I say, oh, let me get you an aspirin, let me get a back rub or whatever, right? There's no problem there, right? So, that, so then you're, you're, you're actually making a presumption based on tone of voice and, and body language and whatnot. Well, it's not a presumption, Right. Because in a relationship, we all know the truth, right? So if, it, if Christina comes in and says, I have a headache, damn it, I know she's accusing me, right? I, I'm not going to doubt that. Because if I start to doubt that, 
then I have no bearings in the relationship. I have to think everything through, and I have to Hamlet myself into 1,600 kaleidoscopic Gordian knots every day. I just have to trust my instincts. So if I feel that she was being accusatory, I'm going to say, you know, that really felt accusatory. What's going on for you right now? And if she says, no, it wasn't accusatory, I'm going to say, I think it was, right? I mean, that's what I really got from it, and I'm going to assume that that's, that's right. Right, and in that instance, though, aren't you kind of expecting a change in behavior on her part then? Well, I'm expecting honesty on her part because I'm providing honesty, right? That's UPB, right? So because I'm being honest and saying that really felt sharp, then I expect her to be honest and say, you know, I really was irritated with you. Yeah, well, and then we can well, talk about that. Well, what if she wasn't? Well, that's a theoretical. It's never happened, and I believe that if we trust her instincts and are honest about them, it's never happened where Christina has been sharp with me, where it turns out that she wasn't being sharp with me. We know this stuff. We know this stuff. And vice versa. Okay. So fundamentally, then, it's just a question of, um, I mean, if, uh, well, I mean, let's take, like, you know, there are a lot of people who say, you know, Steph, I don't like it when you tell stupid jokes, or I don't like it when you... Your uh, podcast style is weird, or, yeah, too many tangents, or whatever, whatever, right? Right. Why, why wouldn't you... I mean, why would you... Why would you... Um, how to put this... Um, why wouldn't I change my behavior? Well, obviously, if everybody or, said... Or, like or, if or I, rather... If, sorry, go ahead. Or, or rather, why would you assume that someone making a statement like that on the board um, was actually expecting a change of behavior and wasn't just um, venting an opinion, right? Well, but this is, this is how I feel, right? How does the post make me feel? Does it make me feel like this is somebody who's really trying to help me? Right? Or, or do, do I feel that this is somebody who's just bitching at me? Right? So you remember the guy who came on and said, Steph, why is it you dress so goddamn scruffy for your podcast, for your video cast, right? <laughs> remember that guy? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So this jerk comes on and he's like, oh, oh, you're so scruffy and blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, you know, the key thing is not me or how I'm dressed, but the message, right? So this guy's focusing on the form, not the content. Right. And I was saying, you know, anybody who wouldn't listen to me because I'm not in a suit, I don't want them to listen to me anyway, because they're just, they're not going to get the conversation. And then he said, well, Socrates was very well groomed, which is something I just know. is." And I mentioned Socrates, like Socrates did not worry about the cut of his toga, right? <laughs> There's no fashion reports on Socrates, right? We remember his thoughts, <laughs> right, or at least right. Plato's interpretation of them. So, so he said, well, no, that's not true. Socrates was very well groomed, right? So I found a citation that said, no, Socrates was a total slob, which I'm not. And uh, then he never came back, right? But it's all about how you feel, right? This guy I said on the board was uh, pestering me about, you know, it's time for you to define your stand on why you think drugs are bad, and you better define this, and it's time for you to do it, step up and do it. And it's like, I don't like that. I got well, yeah, feel good about that, right? So I'm just not going to participate. And, it, and in that, that case, I mean, they're just... Place, right, because I feel it. And in that case, they're just making demands. 
Yeah, and it's like I don't preach a philosophy of freedom and then have some people on the board tell me what to do. I mean, <laughs> I mean, what do they think is going to happen? Right. Right. Yeah, that example got a little confused. Well, it wasn't confusing for me. I totally got the aggression, right? And there's people on the boards who, uh, who say that. Right, they, they, you feel the aggression, and then you say, "Well, I don't, I don't enjoy this. I don't enjoy this conversation, so I'm not going to participate in it." And then, of course, they say, "Oh, and he's just running away." And but it's like, but whatever, right? But you know it, you feel it, you feel it, right? So the question to ask your brother is, "How do you feel when your girlfriend says this stuff?" Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Then, uh, whatever, whatever the uh, em- emotion that's evoked by her her saying something like that, he should just trust that that's exactly what her intent was. Oh yeah, we should absolutely, completely and totally trust her feelings. And that doesn't mean that if I'm angry at someone, I'm going to hit them, right? That's acting out her feelings. But we should totally trust them and say, you know, I feel really angry at, uh, at this interaction. I'm not enjoying this interaction. I'm not going to participate in this interaction anymore. Just take the tone of voice and the, and the inflection and everything at, at face value. Yeah, I mean, how does it how, do you, how does it make you feel? And you trust your feelings, right? So she says something like, uh, you know, it's, you know, it's weird that I didn't really didn't like it when you did that. Then it's more like uh, um, something along the lines of let's you know let's think about that as opposed to wagging the finger and saying I don't like it when you do that. Right, then you say, you know, I, I really get the feeling that, that you want me to change my behavior just because you're upset. Right? And you talk about it. And okay, of course, well, but what everyone's afraid of, what everyone is afraid of, is that they start down that road and they find out that, 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 that the people are just lying to them. And they're just going to keep lying to them, right? So I'm not saying this is right. true with your brother and his girlfriend, but pe- that's what people are afraid of. They're going to start down that road, and people are just going to say, no, I wasn't. No, I wasn't. You're totally you're imagining things. That wasn't the case at all. That's not at all what happened. That wasn't my intention. You're just making things up. You're imagining things. You're paranoid. Right? But they're just going to keep getting their perspective walloped, which ends the relationship. Uh, undermining the, uh, the, the yeah, original And then it's over. Experience. You can hang around for as long as you want, but the relationship is done when somebody tells you that your instincts are wrong over and over again and doesn't take any evidence, right? Then then they don't care about you, right? They'd rather, they'd rather defenses are so strong that they'd rather screw up your ability to trust yourself than admit to a possible character flaw. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. Because I wasn't sure, because, I mean, it sounded like, to, at least to me, it seemed like they were, um, they were on a good footing, but um, it just, the, the way that the... Um, the way he described the interaction, the language that he used, didn't, didn't, it, did, it didn't have that same sort of um, well, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's expression of preference as opposed to expression of uh, emotional experience, right? I yeah, don't like emotional experience, as opposed sure. to as opposed to uh, this is what, what you did ju- just made me feel like this they're saying, I don't like when you do that. Right. So, right. so, so, I mean, so I guess I was wondering if that kind of betrayed a, a certain amount of, of 
if you could use that, that I mean, it seems like a subtle shift in language, but if you could use that as a, a, as a red flag for uh, differentiating between a genuine curiosity and a, a demand for uh, um, uh, sub, uh, submission to preference, right? Well, yeah, dislike is not a feeling. I don't like is not a feeling, right? So if you say, well, uh, I feel irritated or I feel upset or I feel angry or I feel sad or I feel anxious or I feel afraid, right? But I don't like is kind of finger-waggy. It's not a real feeling. It's just a statement of opinion that's kind of emphatic. So I definitely would be concerned about that and say, well, tell me more about what you don't like or what was your feeling when you saw me dressed like this or whatever, you know, and just find out what what is the thought behind the feeling, right? Okay. Okay, yeah. Well, that clears it up. Wow, but, shocking. Uh, definitely. <laughs> right. Well, listen, thanks so much for calling in. I do appreciate it. And uh, I'll give, uh, just if anybody had a really, really quick question, uh, I would be more than happy to, to answer it because we've had a couple of people who've been waiting. I'm not sure if they've got themselves sorted out technically, but I'll uh, give you all five seconds to say if you're going to say. And I guess that's our show for today. Thank you so much for joining in, and have yourselves a wonderful, wonderful week. I will um, I'll be continuing to work on uh, the the book on UPB uh, this week, and I'm going to spend some time putting together the audio for the Freedom Main Re- uh, Radio Weekend. We do have quite a lot of audio, which I'd like to uh, put on. But um, uh, thank you again for joining us, and uh, we will talk to you soon. All the best. <laughs>